Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Warden's Watch Podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line Podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content, both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigation, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from Game Wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves Game Wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch. Warden's Watch, episode 98. And I'm not going to announce the name right now because it's kind of a tribute for me.
I will say that the last interview we did with Brock Hoyt, who won the Torch Award from NAWIA, the North American Wildlife Officers Association, kind of inspired me to do the oldest game warden that I've interviewed. So we go from the youngest to the oldest. And this is inspiring, at least it was to me when I became a game warden as a young warden, to hear the history of those that came before me as wardens. So this kind of is a tribute to Northern New Hampshire and the legacy of the wardens. So wardens like Paul Doherty, who wrote the iconic game warden book, Smoke from a Thousand Campfires. You know, Jim Barry, Bill Hastings, whose grandson currently works for us. Keith Kidder, Warren Jenkins, Harold Reed, Arthur Muse, Carl Carlson, Sarge, who just passed away not too long ago, who uh, I had a great relationship with. He was a sergeant for District 1, was located in Pittsburgh, certainly retired shortly before I came on, and then from there, we just became friendly. Carl uh, moved away, but always would stop into the office and say hi, let me know when he was going to be in the area. Um, Along with Arthur Muse, Arthur was just an incredible guy. And I'll tell a little story about Arthur Muse that I heard from the person it actually happened to. Uh, He had just got, just moved to the North Country and didn't have any food. And he had actually shot a deer out of season and he was gutting it. And all of a sudden in the middle of the woods, he hears, can I help you with that? And he turns around and there's the game warden standing there, Arthur Muse. And he tells Arthur, he's like, uh, I, I had to shoot it. I don't have any food in my house. So Arthur said, well, let's finish cutting the deer, put it in the back of my cruiser. And down they went to the guy's house. Arthur went in the house and looked at all the cupboards to see if he had any food. And confirmed he actually didn't have any food. So Arthur still took the deer. But he came back and told uh, the gentleman to go down to the the general store in Stark and uh, buy what he needed. And, you know, he had a credit there and Arthur ended up paying for those groceries. Um, And I've got it from two different sources. So from the person it actually happened to and Mary Fleury that actually owned the store at that time. Uh, Very true story. The the gentleman to get the deer, he got fined, but Arthur made sure that he didn't go hungry. So it was just a great story. And this tribute, it actually got to sit down with Bob Vashaw, who was among those men and worked with him, tell some stories about northern New Hampshire. Bob actually had his house shot at as a game warden. Um, He talks about the family relationships among the officers, which still exist today. But kind of a tribute to those that have gone before us and the appreciation of the legacy they leave today. So episode 98 of Warden's Watch, Bob Vashaw. Today I am with Bob Vashaw, former fishing game officer from northern New Hampshire. And when I say former, I I mean really former. How old are you, Bob? I'm 86. 86. So when we're, we're talking to Bob, we're talking some serious history, which is pretty exciting to actually record this and document this, Bob, as part of New Hampshire history. And that's how I see this. You are, yeah. you know, the history that I lived, but before right. my time, which was, 
I, I just love history. I think a lot of us love history and a lot of listeners love history. So I think it's, it's going to be a, a great podcast, but I, I want you to bring us back to day one of joining the day, fishing day game department. Was, was uh, June 28th, 1965. I wasn't even born. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I uh, I had taken the CO exam, and at the time, it was a very sought-after job, and there was 200 of us took the exam at Legislative Hall, hmm. and I was fortunate enough to come in second place. And the first, place went, uh, first hire was Henry Mark, and I was second hire, and I was sent to the Seacoast, and I worked during the summer months when they were busy down on the coast. And then in the fall and winter, when things were slowed down to nothing down there, I had a call to go to call into uh, headquarters. Uh, from At the time, Joe Cram was the uh, chief of law enforcement, and Jack Hammond was, in, was the director. So I went in to see what was going on, and they told me that the... Uh, position on the coast was temporary through the summer but they had found money for me to keep me on they were satisfied with my work nice and uh, what buck carson came in and he was head of fisheries and at the time they were having problems with uh, the uh, clam flaps being overrun with mussels smothering the clams mm -hmm. so they bought this big huge humongous looking snowblower and asked me if I would uh, be willing to take on the project of eliminating these muscles. With a snowblower? With, with, it was like a snowblower. It's, you know, you, you take a shovel and throw them in the front, and it would crutch them and it would blow them out. So you ended up with clothes. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, I said, no problem. They said, it's going to be a lot of paperwork. And blah, blah. I said, whatever, I can do it. Mm -hmm. So I had to play the tides. I couldn't go out. And I could have my weekends free to work with uh, Carl Akeley at the time on Inland Patrol. Huh. So that's what I did all winter. I did my ground muscles. And then uh, I came, I was I was a chauffeur from Jack Hammond, who was directed up to Berlin to the uh, Androscoggin Valley Fish and Games Banquet. And at the banquet, uh, Paul Doherty, on the be known to me, announced that there was going to be some changes made. And he said that uh, Bill Turner was being transferred to Laconia. Bill Hastings was coming from Conway going to Errol. And that, uh, going from, uh, yeah, from Errol to Berlin in Gorham. Mm -hmm. And that left the Errol area open, and I was being transferred to Errol. So when I went home that night, my wife was not happy at all because she was happy in Portsmouth. Uh -huh. And I explained it to her. She said, fine, but I'm not living in Arrow. <laughs> so we ended up in Milan, buying a house in Milan. It seemed like a lot of guys started in Arrow, didn't they? It doesn't seem to hold wardens well, does yeah. it? Because uh, Charlie Berry started in Arrow. Charlie started in Arrow. Uh, yeah, uh, you started in um, Arrow. Uh, what's his name? Dan Tibbetts started in Errol. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim Goss started yeah. in Errol. Yeah. So. That seems to be, it was a good training ground, really, for fishing mm -hmm. game work. I mean, there was plenty, for instance, on and back then, 
69, we had a lot of snow. We had boohoo deer, deer everywhere. And in fact, during deer season, like uh, the uh, road going in the Noel Brook, Mm. It was a slaughter. There was blood everywhere because the deer couldn't get out. Right, it was just so much snow. It was so much snow. Because I remember we getting a call from headquarters one Saturday. Uh, Take your cruisers and go home and park it because of the weather. Mm-hmm. And somebody came back on and say, yeah, well, tell the hunters that. <laughs> and I, I can truthfully remember it would take me all day from Milan to Arrow to just check cars. Wow. That's how every little hidey hole had a tanter and a car, and they shot a lot of deer. Now it's the other way around. All the deer in southern New Hampshire, there's not that much up here. Right. And then in the evenings, I'd go into the back country and check out the camps. Dumber Ponds, Millfield Pond, those places where I knew mm-hmm. I knew the people and whatnot. And uh, so that kept us busy but we didn't have to contend with snow machines and that we do we did have uh, search and rescue mm-hmm. but we didn't have that much problem with it because the cell phone wasn't available yeah. at the time <laughs> but now the way it is somebody sprained a toe pick up the phone come get me yes yes and no. uh, see we didn't when we had a rescue we had a rescue yes you did and a lot of it hunter related yes yes because they were in the woods yeah Right. And because uh, I remember the, the day, like today, that when Warren Jenkins got shot. Yeah. In uh, Mother's Walk Brook. He yeah. and I had worked all night the night before, night hunting. Mm-hmm. And um, that morning I was supposed to meet him. I was coming out on Old Brook and I heard Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. And subsequently, the, the, peop- the party that shot him was using his cruiser radio, mm-hmm. or he would have never made it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got him out of there and got as far as the balsams, and they stopped at the balsams, met a doctor from Colebrook, and started blood and uh, transfusions right there on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he probably needed it. Oh, yeah, and he almost didn't make it. And subsequently, he had a bad leg the rest of his his life, you right. know. Yeah, you shot with a thirty odd six, correct? Yeah, thirty odd six. What happened was, um, I guess, it was a little bit of blame on both sides because we we used to have Eddie Bauer down vest mm-hmm. beige, mm-hmm. and that's what he had on, mm-hmm. which is no excuse for not knowing your target, right? And he pulled up to where they was, and there was a blowdown, and he could see somebody in there. So he got out of his cruiser and jumped over the blowdown, and then he did, the guy swung around and bang. Mm. And that was it. But we had a trial in Berlin District Court, and the first time in all my years, the, the, the judge wanted to go to view the scene. Mm-hmm. So we took him, we went all the way back up in the back woods with him. He's shiny shoes and everything yeah. to show him, you know, where Warren was, car was and everything. And mm-hmm. subsequently, the guy was found guilty. And I'll never forget his name. His name was Lenny uh, Terrio. Mm-hmm. And uh, he swore he shot at a deer. No, Lenny Trorio, excuse me. He's the, Trorio. And he said that, uh, well, anyway, subsequently, I followed up to and uh, he ended up having a nervous breakdown, 
and died of a heart attack. So, but it was just one of those things that if you don't know your target, you don't shoot. Absolutely. Because I don't know what they do now, but for all of my 21 years, I had two chief hunter safety instructors plus me. I, I, mm-hmm. I ran every program. Yeah. I took it out of the buildings into the field. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, it was nice because I've seen people since say, you remember me? And my favorite answer is, well, good or bad? <laughs> say, no, you, uh, you, uh, you had me for hunter safety. Mm. And now they're growing, you know, growing adults. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I said, yeah, I, I, pardon me, but I said, I, I don't recognize you because when I had you, yeah. it was different. But I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Yeah, everybody remembers you, but it's difficult to learn remember everybody because yeah. there's so many. I don't know. Probably just go and give a session on laws now? Or? They do if they do that. Now <laughs> it's on video as well, so <laughs> they can do it all online. Oh, and there's okay. a video it's game online, warden, yeah. and they can go do a field day. So they have to do a field day. But see, I used to like the interaction between mm-hmm. them and me. I would agree. And I... I remember the first night we used and to do it. And they still have those courses, too. Yeah. So it's just, there's options. Yeah, because it was, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, they had invited me to sit in and wanted to college mm-hmm. to, to see what they was teaching. And I said, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, I prefer doing it outdoors. After we get off their stuff, tell, tell them what we expect and whatnot, and I'd come right out and say, no funny stuff. I don't put up with nothing. This is your only warning. I says, I have my license. You need yours. And in order to get it, you got to pass this course. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then we have no problems. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely changing. And good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we're putting more people out, I think. And yeah. It's, it's, that, that's good. And. Yeah, so, and the trends still seem to be the same. So, we're not increasing in hunting-related shootings, so it's staying. And see, uh, they don't uh, they don't have the trappers now, at least up here. No. And uh, I had a lot of trappers. I made mm. quite a few good cases trapping. Yeah. And uh, I had good rapport with them. I had a couple that I had to watch all the time. And mm-hmm. we ended up, me winning, they lose, uh, they lose them. Yeah. And... and Oh, that's pretty but cool. But also, the other things that went with a job I didn't care for is I was building a new home in Milan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm doing it myself. It was, we're all closed in, doing inside work. And my wife and I went up. She went downstairs to do something, and I was out, and she started hollering and screaming. What's the matter? Come up here quick. And I went up there, and somebody had taken a shotgun and blowed out my bay window. Yeah. And there were snow machine tracks there. And I could never prove with evidence who did it, but I know who did it. Mm-hmm. I followed the tracks right to where his house was. Mm-hmm. So when I was working outside on the side, and he stopped by and he says, The rumor has it you said that you think I blowed out your windows. I said, uh, Your conscience bothering you? <laughs> Well, no, then what are you here for? Well, I'll tell you why I didn't do it. I said, look, I'm not going to say his name, but mm-hmm. 
Only two people know who done that. You and me. Because I found the windows. If anything happens to this house again, there's only going to be two people who knows what happened to you. <laughs> you and me. End of story. And he left. But, you know, when you, you start taking it personal like that and destroying people. And I said, how do you know there wasn't somebody in there? Because some of the buckshot went right through the kitchen cabinets, Jeez. through through the drywall in the living room. Mm-hmm. So it shows you what a shotgun will do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Can you talk about the north-south line? I'm always fascinated with the north-south line where it ran. What's that? The north-south line for deer. Oh, yeah. And you guys used to maintain yeah, that. And yeah, we, November 30th, we'd end up, and then December 15 days, we'd have to go south to work. Okay, so it was open in the northern part. Deer season was open in the northern part of the state. It wasn't open in the southern. And it wasn't open, and then vice versa. And vice versa. And where is that line? Where, where did it go? And did you guys maintain that line? Was it actually a physical line? No, or? it was uh, by county boundaries. Okay. It's down around Con- from Conway. No, it'd be below Conway. Okay. He'd be in mid-state south, mm-hmm. and they only had 15 days, mm-hmm. and we had a full 30 days. Oh, wow. And uh, then we had, I believe it was 15 days uh, preseason from when they started with muzzleloading. Because mm-hmm. when they started, there was no such thing as muzzleloading licenses. <laughs> well, that stuff was too crazy. Uh, rifle or shotgun. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, it's everything is so different now. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't know if you call it PR work or what, but it's just. Well, you guys did PR work because uh, you showed yeah. me a picture with, you had your own photographer. Yeah. That, that followed you around and, yeah. you know, and took pictures of, and the pictures I saw, you were stalking fish, uh, backpacking fish. Another into place remote. that I, I, I backpacked fish was into uh, Lake of Clouds. Mm-hmm. Wow. And went down there, we had a rubber raft. On top raft. of Mount Washington. Yeah, we had a rubber raft, and I took water samples. Uh-huh. And they never took because the copper content was too high. Okay. And it killed them. In fact, one of those pictures I had is my wife and I sitting up on top afterwards. <laughs> and because... And... We, because we aerial stalked the ponds, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many beaver ponds and whatnot that we backpack into, right. which they don't do now anyway. Yeah. And, I, and they don't, you don't have the the terrain; it's all cut off. Right. So, yeah. But to me, that was fishing game work. Yeah. You were doing conservation. You were doing, you know, fisheries work. Uh, Mm. Everything, man. It's in in the winter after we got uh, uh, snow machines, the old one was. I used to take Dan Crotto, who was one of my trappers, a neighbor, a hell of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he shot that bobcat. Oh wow! Up in Chesapeake, mm. he and Earl Cad used to leave in the morning. They'd walk up to. Hike into Success Pond with their dogs hunting, back out, we're talking many miles, go to work in the middle 12 to 8. <laughs> Not much time for sleep. <laughs> All they had was snowshoes, no snow machines. And they were trappers and they had the hounds and they hunted cats. Wow. 
But no, no, some no stone machines in. Yeah, the same as us. I mean, I'm trying to think of one was. The, I can't remember one of the first ones we had. It was the motor ski, single yeah. cylinder. But you made the first snowmobile pinch, and then it ended up in the Supreme Court. Tell us about that. It was up in the, It's when they first came out. Uh, everybody was resistant to the fact that they didn't want to have to register them. It was unconstitutional. They ought to be able to go. If you can walk on the road, you ought to be able to run your machine on the road, blah, blah, blah. And, so Paul Doherty, who was very instrumental in the, in the snow machines, mm -hmm. he's the one that formed the department that you have now. Mm -hmm. He retired from fishing game, and then, well, he transferred in, and he formed the OHRV department. Mm -hmm. In fact, he wanted me to go with him, and I said, no, no. <laughs> I said, I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm very happy where I am right now. So then when they finally, when they got it going, I... Uh, like this particular weekend, he said, why don't you have nothing to do? I'll pick you up, and we'll take a ride up into the Swift Diamond, because there's been a lot of activity up there. There's a lot of camps in there. Mm -hmm. And we'll just see what's going on. So we did, and we sat, and we waited, waited, and this machine come along, and stopped them, talked to them, and can see your registration. It's not registered. It don't have to be. I'm sorry to say, if so we cited the RSA, then it has to be. And it's got argumentative. And my favorite saying was, to anybody, I don't have to argue with you. They have a court for that. Mm -hmm. So, so it's either you agree or I'll give you a piece of paper here. Mm -hmm. So I, I gave him a summons. We went to Cobra Court. Ivory Cobb was a judge. I had a trial. The courtroom was packed with snow machines. Yeah. He was found guilty. And he appealed it the Superior Court for trial. He's found guilty there. Mm. They appealed to the State Supreme Court, and they upheld the Sturchill. And from then on, it was just registration, registration, registration. And then uh, the law started, you can't run on a highway. You can't go on somebody else's land without landowner's permission. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still have a good memory when it comes to that. I remember I, I could go out and in enforce laws now because there's a lot of new ones since I've been on but right off that's a lot of new well, ones anyway, since I've been off that was the start of the snow what I call the snow revolution <laughs> and you missed the ATV revolution <laughs> I missed it I have, can truthfully say I've never been on an ATV mm. when they first came out there was three three wheelers right and they would tip over like nothing mm -hmm. and um I didn't want nothing to do with them anyway, and then the department didn't want to do with them. Yeah. How they got, well, they didn't have any choice. There's so many out there. And like everything else, if the great legislators can't find somebody to enforce something, give it to Fish and Game. They'll take care of it. <laughs> Search and rescue and drowning. Everything is Fish and Game will do it. Fish and Game will do it. Yeah. Iquinas is the police in the woods. That's, right. That's. Yeah. If it's in the woods, it's fishing game. Fishing game. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're good at in the woods, too. Yeah. And, but like I say, when I, 50 some years ago when I did it, we did what I call today fishing game work. Mm -hmm. We were out there to protect the fish and wildlife. Right. And we weren't out there to be snow machine cops or ATV cops. Mm -hmm. And we weren't, we weren't allowed to make any arrest for motor vehicle mm -hmm. or stop anybody for motor vehicle violation, which they can now. Yep. And uh, 
if we had a, what we thought would be in a DWI, we had to call state police. Mm -hmm. So we were strictly fishing game, mm -hmm. which I think it should be now. But yeah, times have changed. Yes, yeah. when I started, it was very similar to that. Yeah. So and I get to watch all those changes happen. Yep. And I've I've watched it involve involve involve, mm -hmm. and like I said, uh, I think Northwoods Law is is a great tool for the department for publicity and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But having done the job, and the way they make it look so easy, <laughs> it's important. It's <laughs> I don't want to say it's a laugh, but I kind of sit there and chuckle. Yeah, it's entertainment. That's the way I put it. Yeah, no, and uh, I agree. and I see all these young, young guys out there, and I say they weren't even born when I was doing this. Mm -hmm. And uh, but uh, like I said, I had a good run, mm -hmm. and I had a uh, we were family too. Yes, we often two or three times a year would have a party with our wives, mm -hmm. and so our wives. We were all intermingled. We were all one big family. Mm. And uh, I don't know if the camaraderie well, is like we, we that. We try to carry on that tradition today. Huh? We try. Yeah, you it's try. It's just in a busy world. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely different, but we still try to do that. And I've been enjoying the uh, annual field days that we've been having come and mm. see some, but there ain't many left to go. No. And the last letter I got, I, it was an overnight deal, and I said, oh, you know, yeah. between medications travel and everything i said no yeah. i hated to say no but yeah and those are great rendezvous to, to yeah. see your your old friends and see your new well, friends and yeah. to see the next generation yeah. of game work the, the ones sure. that they were having in down uh, holding it so that, that yeah. was i really enjoyed that could yeah. see the old, well, old time. next year this next year La we'll do last that again. time i saw carl carlson was when he came for that one on his walker with his son yeah and I often wondered how he was doing because I knew he had uh, cancer and mm. he had fallen in the shower, but he used it. Tough man. Tough man. Yes. Hell of a nice guy. Yeah, the best. Yeah. For sure. For sure. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. 
We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. During your tenure, the dogs were a big deal. Wasn't dogs chasing deer? That was another issue. Yes. Uh, back then, we had a lot of deer. And when, before Oak Hill and, and Milan was uh, logged off, there's a big deer yard up there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Milan being rural and whatnot, everybody's got dogs. Yeah. And uh, subsequently, I think at the time, there was 40-some dogs that weren't licensed in Milan. Wow. And the trouble with that is a dog can go out and run and chase everything all day long, mm-hmm. come home at night and lay down in a warm fire or whatever and be, get his feed and whatnot and find the poor animal out there don't have a chance. Mm. Snow was right up to their belly and... Uh, some of them on that incident said to me, well, what about the coyote? He takes, I said, yeah, he's the balance of nature. He'll chase, but when he gets to a point, he knows he can't go no more, he stops. Mm-hmm. These guys, they go in packs, and they just pull them down, tear them by the hamstring, and let them lay there and suffer and die. Mm-hmm. And I said, this one particular one, I, I gave... Uh, yeah, I gave you some pictures of it there. Yeah, and that's what's and it, 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 it was hot. It, it was hot, hot, bro. Bill Hayes and I went in. After It was reported to me that uh, some snow machinists had seen what they thought was native dogs, tracks, and hats. So we went in to check it out. We want to get in the yard. Oh, I found one here, Bill. Well, I got one over here. They were all over. They just disseminate them, kill them, and go, at least with a coyote or a bobcat. Yeah. If they kill them, they eat them. Mm. And uh, so, anyway, I shot two dogs that day. None of them, one of them had a flea collar, the other one had nothing. And I followed some tracks back to a house in Milan. And I asked, Do you have a dog? Yeah, where is he? Well, he's out somewhere. So he hasn't come home yet. I said, Well, you'll give me a call when he comes home. So he did. And when I went over, the dog was blood all over the front of him. And I said, you know, nice what happened to him. I said, you know what's going to happen now? You have one or two choices. You're going to court and I'm going to shoot the dog. He said, shoot the dog. But I said, it's not going to be that easy because I'm not going to make the determination that who's going to pay for these deals. And he did end up having to go to court for letting the dog run at large. But that's the worst mess I've ever seen. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't have done it at the time, but what I did, we loaded all the carcasses on a snow machine trailer mm-hmm. and went down and parked it on Main Street. <laughs> and I just stood there. Shocking off. Well, and somebody would say something, and I'd say, this is what happens when you let your dog run loose. Mm. And it, it was terrible. Yeah, so much uh, John Harrigan wrote about it too. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, it was, it was a good article in there. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you know that caught the attention of an outdoor writer. Yeah, because it was such a heinous crime of it dogs was. at large and killing yeah. masses amount of deer. And what happened was, this was right after I I had a heart attack Christmas Day, and I. That's a lousy time to have a heart attack, Bob, just to let you know. Huh? That's a lousy time to have a heart attack. You're right. <laughs> I went out, snowballed the, dri- excuse me, snowballed the driveway, 
And the next thing I knew, I woke up at ABH. Mm. And anyway, so I was convalescent, and uh, uh, they went, they had some kind of a hearing for something I went to. And the, uh, they started chastising fish and game because of the carnage up on Oak Hill, all of the Airbnb Hill. And I, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I said, well, first of all, I, I said I was laid up because of a medical problem. Or I would have been up there before. But I said, when I came back to work and I found out about it, I eliminated the problem. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the best I could do. Mm-hmm. And it was. I mean, I, I was all on sick leave. There's nothing I could do. Nobody contacted me anyway, so I could send somebody else in there. Right. And another thing we used to do that the, I guess, biologists don't agree with us, but Bill and I used to go up and cross seven islands down in the swamp and cut cedar trees. Oh. You'd go back the next day and they'd be cleaned. <laughs> and I, my argument was that's natural feed. Mm-hmm. We're not putting out corn and all this other stuff. Right. And the snow is deep. It's helping them out. The woods department, they don't use cedar. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I said, gave us something to do during the winter. <laughs> so. No, that, that, that's pretty awesome. So yeah. You ended up injuring yourself, didn't you, during your tenure? The what? Injuring yourself, too, right? So oh, the yeah. the point where you had to, yeah. Oh, yeah. to get yeah. done. I, I'm one even now. I always have to have a purpose. When I go to bed at night, I'm what I'm going to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It was the same way with fishing game. When I got up in the morning, I had a purpose for the day. And regardless what came in between, unless something serious, I would do that purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. And uh, from what I understand, your your diaries, all game wardens have to keep a diary. And I did a lousy job of keeping my diary. But I hear uh, you're still keeping a diary today. Right there. Right there. Yeah, yeah. writing down. I write down what I did, the temperatures, the weather. and that's and unbelievable. Uh, every once in a while, it's quiet and I'll do a pull out and just go through and, and whatnot. And my grandson, Tammy's son, yeah, they put dibs on that. He wants them. No, that, that's he likes to write. Yeah, and she said, "I said there's enough information in there." Mm-hmm. And no, it's... so no, do you, you guys had to do diaries? We uh, did, we did, and then we had to make a, a daily report from a diary, hmm. and then get it into the chief. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have to do that? We would have to document what we did. Yes, yeah, so. and. Uh, <laughs> Because some of the guys fall sales on the radio. I haven't got your funny books yet. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the stuff they would put on it and whatnot. But yeah, make sure it was within your 28 yeah. eight days and your so oh, many Andrews. See, that was the other thing that r- really uh, drove Bill Hayson to retire. That's when they... Uh, the Garcia rule. <laughs> put the restriction on for yeah. 40 hours. Yeah. And then they started, when they first started, they assigned us shift work like a trooper. Mm. Look, one night, uh, my wife says, uh, you got to go to work? I said, yeah, I got, I'm working from 5 to 1 in the morning. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> 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 in the wintertime, there's nothing out there. Because we were paid for 
48 hours. We had eight hours of built-in overtime. And that's all we got if you worked 100 hours. And that's what we wanted to do. But then they cut it right down. That's it. Now they get paid time and a half. Mm-hmm. Not us. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. No. No. Those things have changed, too. Uh, and uh, they used to say, you know, we never supposedly broke, never had any money. And uh, the department couldn't buy this. It couldn't. When they started buying... Uh, that hasn't changed at all, Bob. No. <laughs> but when they started buying, uh, putting us in uh, state-owned vehicles, mm-hmm. they bought the cheapest two-wheel drive pickups mm. they could find. <laughs> and uh, I refused to win a pickup. Mm. I ended up in a cruiser. Yep. And they said, well, what are you, there's places you can't go. I said, no, if I can't drive, I'll walk. Yep. And that's the way it was. I stayed in a cruiser. So they had uh, they bought a brand-new international pickup truck, and they stationed it at my house in Milan for anybody in the district who wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's you know, when I knew I had to go somewhere, I needed a four-wheel drive, I just grabbed that. Yeah. And uh, as far as uh, <clears throat> drownings and that, all we had for equipment was uh, a tri-hull with a 70-horse motor, and homemade dragon rights, and that was it. Huh. And but they started the state dive team. You were on the first initial state dive team, weren't you? Right, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I can still picture when we went to dive school. Everything was good until the end. And on the final test, it had us 15 minutes just tread water, not move. With nothing, just tread water. Wow. It was tough. But mm-hmm. Um, but I said, "Wow, you know, we got yeah." He said, "What happened? You, get to, you take off your wave, your wave uh, belt, and he says you've got a May West that you inflate. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do if it don't inflate?" Mm-hmm. He said, "You're going to tread." And he says, "The wetsuit, we didn't have dry suits. Wetsuit will keep you up just so long, and that's it." Right. So, but uh, we did our training in an indoor pool, mm-hmm. and then we went out, and uh, I think the deepest I've ever was on one of Pasaka's, 135, 40 feet. Mm. And the only thing that bothered me on any of the dives was I didn't mind going down. I've been down, down there. It's going back up. Mm. Kept looking for the surface. Kept looking for the surface. Mm-hmm. But uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. We didn't get no extra pay or nothing. It was just all voluntary. And, huh. But that was their first uh, organized team. Pete Lyons was the chief dive master. Yeah. And I noticed there's a lot of, there was a lot of northern wardens on that dive team, yeah. like Arthur Muse. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was me, Bill, and mm-hmm. Arthur Muse. There's three of us. Yeah. And there's only, what, five on the team, I think. It was the other ones was done. Oh, and Warren Jenkins, four yep. of us. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's pretty heavy Northern Wardens. <laughs> yeah. And Pete would call. He says, uh, I need a diver. Okay, where? I'll tell you where. Okay, I'll grab my gear. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Wet suits and a Mae West. And, yeah. Yeah, that, that picture is just so nostalgic. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, yeah, because that's, like I say, one, I don't think the department has one of those today. No, no, no. that I'll certainly make sure that gets copied and uh, forwarded to the department so they have that yeah. initial... Like I say, uh, any of those are yours. Mm. And, uh, anyway, 1978, I was, out of 300, I was third place as father of the year <laughs> from uh, union leader. Nice. The, the kids wrote up... 
That's, that's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. That's Secret Safari. Yeah. They still give those out. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's... Um, the, I'm trying to think of his name. It's That's one name. It's, he was a great... Uh, Outdoor writer and hunter, and they done a hunt on the on the island, and they used all of us as guides. Oh wow! To herd that herded deer into them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a classic. We yeah. have to take a picture so we have that available too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. Uh, there's quite a crew of game wardens there, all surrounded, and it looks like a decent eight point buck that he got, huh? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And that was on Long Island? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. No, thanks, Bob. Is there anything else you want to cover? No. It's, uh, that's my favorite family. Was Tammy's son? Yeah, Tammy's there, my four. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, no, we appreciate your time and uh, passing uh, this, you know, on historically for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I'm uh, glad things. to do it. I could go on and on and on because some of the escapades that, uh, you know, I can think of one incident was kind of comical. It was a drowning in Mollage Walk. And uh, somebody called it in, and my wife answered the phone. And I know she's busy, whatever. And they said, I want to speak to your father. I said, I'm sorry, my father's in heaven. <laughs> The guy says, this is no time for a joke. She said, well, what do you want? I said, I want to report a drowning. Well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> and which which daughter did that? Uh, my oldest one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Too funny. Oh, that's, uh, that's the whole crew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your family made this book up for you when you retired, and it's just all yeah. just... Uh, Historic photos and of, of officers, and I'm just paging through. This I don't know where they dug up all this stuff. They were in my filing cabinets. Yeah, front. yeah. The Sheikah Safari Award when you get accepted that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we just uh, that that vulture, and I think we just surplus that. That's, that. that was our boat. <laughs> yeah, they called it the, the, the Le Leviathan. Yeah, those things were indestructible. Yeah. Oh, no, this is a. Pretty awesome book that they did for you. Some of the first snow machines going across. Hell's Gate, which was a fishing game camp up in northern New Hampshire, yeah. which everybody stayed at. Um, yeah, And uh, Paul Doherty would always take the new trainee up there, and we'd spend five days up there and uh, put them through their paces out in the woods with snowshoes and everything. And Kind of the first warden camp, so yeah. to speak. For yeah. The worst warden, yeah. Little academy of five days of training. Yeah. That that's pretty awesome. That's nineteen fifty. That would be fifty three when I graduated. Mm -hmm. My class reunion. No, just just classic. No. Thank, yeah, thank you. That's uh, Harrigan's article, article right there. Yeah. About the dogs and the yeah. deer on Oak Hill. Hmm. Well, times change, and it's nice to document the. The history of uh, yeah. the, the fishing game conservation law division, um, the things you do then and the things we do now for sure have changed. But uh, you know, I think the heart and the spirit and uh, is the same. 
Yeah. Wow, that's pretty awesome. It was, it was, a, you know, it was a great career. Mm. And at times I, I felt bad. My, my family suffered. I didn't really get to, uh, do everything I wanted with my children when they're grown up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we missed out on occasions when you get called off on a rescue or something, but mm. that was my chosen profession. And if I was to do it over again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with me and having a chat, Bob. Well, I enjoyed it too, Wayne. Thank you. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.